Hey, everybody. Welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. Great show today. Uh, we have Kyle of FlowHub, one of the most well-known POSs. I've only heard great things from a lot of my friends, a lot of social validation uh, associated with him. Uh, he's raised a good amount of money uh, and got some great traction in Colorado. He's now looking to expand throughout California. We talk about the challenges associated there. We also talk about how to develop software and the strength of APIs and integrating different softwares. It's a really great interview. If you want to learn about software and how it integrates with themselves, you're going to learn a ton. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. Kyle, thanks so much for joining us, man. Really excited to have this conversation. FlowHub, one of the best well-known brands in the industry, I think, but I still, for people that don't know, why don't you just start us out with uh, what is FlowHub? Yeah, sure. So we're a compliance and business management software company. So we built a, a platform to help retailers stay compliant uh, and help them automate process throughout the supply chain. Got it. Okay. So unpack a little bit. That That's a, a big statement you just made. Uh, unpack that a little bit. What, what are the different pieces here? Yeah, sure. So we actually offer two parts of the supply chain today. We've got a cultivation application uh, for cultivators. Uh, and really, you know, that, that, platform is really built to help them manage their plants and um, manage their their tags um, that sit attached to each plant. And then we automatically report back to state agencies uh, via an API to metric. So um, it's really a, a, a metric interface, if you will. And it makes life really easy, especially the larger you are, right? If you're a large commercial scale grower, we can help you save a whole lot of time and headaches uh, with compliance being the focus there. On the retail side, um, we also have that same deep integration with metric through the APIs for all of the data points. And for those uh, out there who just don't know what that means, uh, in these highly regulated markets, um, there's typically a state mandated tracking platform. Uh, it so happens that metric has kind of become the standard in the U.S. It was uh, the first state was Colorado where we were founded. So we have a lot of experience going way back uh, before I even started the company being a compliance officer in the space, working with that platform for the first time alongside the regulators here in Colorado. So we've really purpose built this platform uh, for a highly regulated industry. And um, it just so happens metric has become the standard. And so we do a lot of really cool things with metric. Um, on the retail side as well, you know, we have inventory management, uh, APIs that I, uh, you know, third parties can write apps on top of, uh, increase kind of the value for our, our uh, you know, our, our customers. Um, there's a lot of cool things. We also are, we, we have several mobile apps that run on a hardware device uh, called the Nug, and you can scan in driver's licenses at the door. You can reconcile inventory. You can transfer uh, packages in mass uh, from a distribution facility uh, throughout the supply chain. And uh, then we also have, of course, our cultivation management, uh, which also sits on the handheld as well. So we have these desktop apps, these, these web apps and uh, mobile apps, and they all work together in unison to create this great ecosystem. Uh, for uh, for the end user and for these customers, these people who are trying to build these businesses uh, in the space. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's talk about metric a little bit. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You were the first ever to integrate with the metric API, um, and I, I guess the the follow up to that is why does anyone need to build something on top of metrics API? What is insufficient about it for these companies? Yeah, you know, metric is a really great. Uh, kind of collector, right, of information. So it's a tool that allows the government to collect information uh, 
from the license holders in these various markets, right? Let's talk about Colorado, right? You're a Colorado uh, business owner. Um, you've got to report this information to the state digitally through this metric platform, right? Uh, and those that data needs to be delivered to the state, you know, every day essentially. And it could be, you know, the locations of plants inside of your facility. It could be the wet weights that you gather during harvest, whatever the state requires, right? Uh, on the sales side, on the on the retail side, it's uh, you know uh, the packages that you sold out of reconciliation information, uh, you know inventory information, changes that you make to that inventory, all sorts of information. They want to get that every day. And and the reality is back back when this all first started, right? When we first legalized cannabis here in Colorado in 2014, and we uh, or or we implemented legalization in 2014, really with stores opening, because um, we legalized prior to that. Uh, you know, that system was fully manual. Like you had to every day, I'll tell you this, like, let me back up a little bit, right? So when I was managing a grow facility uh, and we were vertically integrated supply chain, we had our MIPS facility where we created vape pens and, and, our, and our dispensary in the supply chain, then we also had our grow, right? When I was working in that grow, managing our compliance, we used to have to report all of this stuff manually, all these data points every day. If we moved 250 plants, 300 plants from a bedroom to a flower room, We'd have to go into metric and do this stuff manually. If we harvested those plants, we'd have to record those wet weights manually. Uh, on the retail side, when we were, you know, at the end of every day of transacting, we'd have to report all this information uh, up to the system from a, from one of the incumbents in the space uh, manually, right? And so that that's very cumbersome. You can't scale a business manually. So, um, you know, the reason this API is so important, and the reason. You know, I personally spent so much time here with our regulators uh, fighting for an open API, uh, you know, educating them about the importance of an open API. Uh, it was really about automating all of that process because when you think about uh, compliance, right, you, you, you really, we're a compliance industry today, right? We're, we're nothing more than that. I mean, we're a compliance industry. If you're not compliant, you're not going to be in business for very long. And I realized that that's how we were going to grow legalization across the U.S., right? So when, look at, when you look at that and you go, okay, we have to report things manually. Well, what does that do? Well, that that you know, there's there's a higher chance that you're going to have problems with the information you're providing metric. There's a higher chance that metric's going to 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 flag your account because you accidentally typed the wrong letter in or whatever, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, issue with errors that that arise when you're doing manual stuff. It's like a game of telephone, right? Uh, you know, what we saw often in our research was okay. You know, you have all these people writing stuff down by hand on the clipboards and then reporting it manually into metric. Um, well, that that is that a six or is that a nine or is that an eight or a four? You create, like, what is? You can't always read these people. A lot of user you know, error. A lot of user. A lot error, of user yeah. error. Yeah. A lot of user error. Exactly. And so, you know, the API is important because we can automate it, right? We can go. Okay, cool. On behalf of our customers, we'll gather all this digitally with our mobile devices and we'll send it back to the state automatically for you. No problem. Or you can still review it before it gets sent to the state. You can still audit your, your information, but gosh, we're going to save you a ton of time. And so that's really why this API is so important in this particular case. How user-friendly or robust is that API? I mean, in my experience, there's a wide range of quality of APIs. Yeah, you know, look, I think Metric has done a phenomenal job in a very short amount of time developing APIs while also growing their business in other markets and um, allowing people to use this API, right? Um, I think, look, right, there's a lot of room for growth, I think, and I, I'm assuming Metric's going to, you know, continue to grow out their API suite and, and you know, clarify the documentation. I think, you know, there's still um, room for improvement in terms of the communication between Metric and third parties, 
right? Like, you know, but they're a growing business. We're all, we're all growing businesses here. Like, I think there's, you know, you've also got to be flexible. So look, in the grand scheme of things, it's a totally workable API. I think it'd be great to see some more endpoints and I think it'd be great to see some more flexibility there and more communication. But you also have to realize they're working with governments. Their customers, the government, right? And, mm-hmm. and governments tend to be pretty bureaucratic. And, you know, with that comes slow, um, maturation really right like yeah. you don't you don't see things happen overnight and you know so you know with that understanding it's phenomenal they've done a great job and i think if it was any other vendor you know we may we, we would potentially struggle to see the same sort of collaboration that we're seeing and so i i think scott and team over there have done just a phenomenal job and i'm i'm proud that they're that they're you know taking over that part of of the market and and um i, I think people really need to trust that they have their best interests in mind um licensees yeah. I think that's an awesome summary of metric. Uh, the next logical question for me is, okay, if we can agree that something needs to be built on metric, uh, you're certainly not alone. Uh, there have been other companies that have built on top of metric. Um, sort of set yourself in the landscape. Um, who do you see as the other real players and, and, and what's the competitive advantage here for you? Yeah, you know, look, I think, you know, th- there's there's a lot of noise in this space, right? You've got a lot of uh, small software companies popping up in, in, in states like Michigan or, you know, Maryland or California that are looking to try to, to, to step into the industry with, you know, a, a fairly, um, I, I think with not a whole lot of experience, right? And so there's that part of them, which is a huge percentage of people trying to come in, right? You've got all these all this noise, seed to sale is kind of a, a buzzword. But then you look at like, you know, you really have only a couple companies actually serving in mass um, with Floha being one of them. You've got folks like MJ Freeway and Biotrack. Obviously, you know, these guys, they've been around a long time. Uh, Biotrack was, you know, a system that was built for pharmaceutical tracking in Florida. And, you know, they, they kind of define seed to sale in the space alongside MJ Freeway. But the reality is, you know, these are retrofitted platforms. And uh, are they the future? And, you know, maybe, right, maybe they, they can continue to expand and grow. But I think, you know, you look at really the companies that are that are serving um, large parts of the industry today. And I think you look at like a Flow Hub, a Greenbits, um, you know, even Trees is, is growing now. Um, and I think you're, you're, you're seeing more quality software, which is great. I mean, it's, it's great to have options for consumers, just like you do with your uh, with T-Mobile, Verizon, AT&T, and Sprint, right? I mean, you have your kind of utilities. And I think that's what's happening now. We're starting to see these um, these kind of main, uh, you know, software providers popping up. And they're all doing a great job. I think we all now, you know, you kind of asked the question, like, how are you different, right? And I think we're very different in that we took a very different approach than Agreements, for example, right? Agreements has done a great job building an iPad-based POS system um, that's, I think, very purpose-built for stores, uh, you know, that, that uh, you know, may not see heavy volume or what have you, right? They're, they're kind of built for uh, smaller boutiques. Um, we focused on um, not just the smaller boutiques, but the enterprise, right? These multi-location users who are consolidating the industry, who are focused on um, uh, just, you know, a very fast growth track um, and who really need that support. And that's why we cover a lot of the supply chain, right? So, you know, we serve customers like Native Roots who have 20 plus locations, who have a thousand employees who, you know, are, are in need of um, large scale software solutions. And so that's what we're really focused on. And so we're kind of looking at the market, solving similar problems, but looking at it in very different ways, right? And so 
Um, and for us, you know, I think that you know differentiates differentiates FlowHub greatly from our competitors on all of them is our seven day week phone support. I mean, we have an incredible, uh, knowledgeable phone support team that's there uh, that's there for our customers seven days a week, twelve hours a day, and that's really unheard of in our space, right? And that comes from my experience being a, a customer of one of. Uh, one of our competitors today, uh, many years ago, and having issues with customer service. And I think, you know, when you look online on forums and around Reddit or whatever, you'll see that, you know, Flowhub's always mentioned by people out there who've had experience with a lot of the systems going, they, they, look, they have the best customer service, frankly, right? We'll see it on Facebook, whatever. And that's a, it's, it's a great testament to how focused we are on customers. I mean, our core principle, one of, one of our number one principles here at Flowhub is we're obsessed with our customers. Mm. And so, you know, we, we do everything we can to support them because, uh, you know, their future is our future. And, uh, you know, we, we want to make sure that they're, that they're able to grow efficiently and effectively. And so, um, you know, it's really a partnership when it comes down to it. Yeah, that, then, I, that support and customer service is also a result of sufficient funding, uh, which I want to get to a little later. That, that often takes money and, that, and that's what sort of separates um, companies from time to time. Um, but I want to get into just sort of the specific service offerings here. Um, so first of all, for growers, you're also not alone in that space. It's a, it's a different set of competitors uh, in large part. But um, what's really special about the Grow product? You know, how, how do you pitch it to growers? Yeah, you know, look, I think what, you know, you talk about the com competition, right? And there's some there's some great software platforms out there available for cultivators. We're looking at it very differently. You know, we're, we truly have a unique product in that we're a metric interface. We're built literally to make your life easy with metric. Nothing more than that in our current version, right? So when you use our Grow, our cultivation app today, we call it FlowHub Grow, um, you know, you're using it because you want to manage your your plants and, and be compliant. Um, on the grow side, you know, incompletion. And so th there's, there's not a whole lot of fluff there, right? You're not, we're not interfacing with your sensors and your feeding times and your light schedules and all that, because that's not why we built it. We built it to make compliance really, really easy. And so literally we've saved people uh, from having to hire uh, more hands in that, you know, in a compliance role. And we give that opportunity to get, you know, hire people throughout the supply chain and other roles where, um, you know, maybe you can't leverage automation as much. Right. So um, we're enabling people to do better work and to focus on other things because compliance can be automated. There's no reason to have people do that. You can make you can have a more accurate uh, um, track record with with the state if you're automating your your compliance. And so we do that on the growth side. Right. So it's nothing more than that. I mean, um, the expectation when people come on is that that they're going to, you know, that that compliance is going to be made easier for them. Uh, and then, of course, mobile. We're, we're still one of the only companies in the space that really has this, this mobile library mm. of tools. And that makes life really easy throughout the supply chain as well, on top of you know, the compliance side of things. Yeah. So let's say I'm a, I'm a vertically integrated uh, company and I have a grow and a dispensary or, or a store, I suppose. Um, can I use the products a la carte or uh, you know, do I have to buy the package as a whole? Sure. No, you can use them all a card. So the really cool thing, right, is like if you want to focus all your energy on your grow side, yeah, just use our grow app. It's, no, you know, it's not a problem. Um, and the cool thing about our grow app, too, is you can actually ship packages throughout the supply chain. So if you're wholesaling, you can ship packages to all sorts of different retailers that are also running FlowHub. And so it makes it really easy to transfer inventory throughout your own supply chain or to other supply chains. So that's kind of unique to FlowHub is that, you know, a lot of our systems are networked. So you can actually ship packages throughout supply chains and things like that. Uh, you know, um, and that makes things really, really easy as well. So you don't, you know, you, you can, you can use them all a cart, which is, uh, you know, I, I think a great, 
great thing for our yeah, customers. Yeah, no, I think that's important. I think that's important. Um, and then for the retail side, look, I've only ever heard the best things about FlowHub POS and how it makes uh, the retail experience uh, for all parties so much easier. One of the questions that I've always received, um, and I looked for it on the website, didn't find any mention of delivery at all. Um, sure. How would one of your customers go about doing that? Yeah, so we have a suite of APIs that uh, you know some delivery services have taken advantage of, and they supply kind of third-party delivery solutions on top of our platform. Um, and we we think that's probably the best way to do it, right? Because uh, frankly, you know, giving people that option, um, I, I think, is the way to go, right? Like, we don't want to tell a retailer you have to use this one platform. It's no, use whichever platform you'd like. I think you know it's tough, right? I think we could choose to go do everything in house ourselves. Um, which is tempting, right? As an entrepreneur, you want to go bite off a lot and 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 build uh, something epic and great. But I think it also dilutes the focus. And we're really hyper focused on compliance and making sure people are compliant first, and that the, you know we have an easy to use platform. A lot of the feedback that we've received over uh, the last two years is that our system is one of the easiest to learn. That like you can, it's so intuitive. You don't really need much training. You can figure it out. And because of the stops we've put in place and our, our permissions based. Uh, system, you know, you don't have to be afraid of having people screw things up. And so, um, you know, look, I think in terms of delivery, e-commerce and these things, there's a lot of great providers out there and uh, we're interested in working with all of them. Uh, and they're welcome to use our, our open APIs to tap into our customers' inventory and things like that. I mean, that to, to make the delivery experience great for their consumers. It, it sounds like you're very open to integration. And that's the way I see the world. I think APIs are eating the world. I think the issue is that many of those delivery platforms, they don't want to work with you. <laughs> they, they, they've created their own POS or their own sort of turnkey solution for the entirety of the uh, so, you know retail experience. Have you run right. into that or, you know, how you do you know, deal with that? Not, not really. Right. Like uh, you're right. I mean, there's a couple you know, uh, companies out there that have tried to bite off all of that. But I think the reality is when you step back and look at the big picture, those are in markets that are not mature. That's the only place that that's happened is like a state like California where you don't have a mature market. And the reality, the reality is with, a, with the maturation of the market and as things expand and grow, you can't do all of those same things because you have this layer of compliance that suddenly is this giant wall that you know they're not going to understand. Um, frankly, it's a complex issue. There's a reason um, it's not easy to build what we've built uh, because you know you have to have a great understanding of compliance and what it means day to day for people and how to use it in the right ways. It's one thing to read the rules. It's another thing to understand how people actually implement them successfully, especially at scale. And so, um, look, I, I think, yes, in a gray market where there are no regulations and it's kind of a free-for-all, it's really easy to build all these things because there's not a whole lot to worry about. You can kind of do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. But when there are guardrails that are difficult to understand uh, you know, and um, hard to develop against, you know, it makes that really difficult. And so it's going to be interesting to see what these companies do uh, over the next year and a half as compliance becomes a complete necessity in a market like California, where the previous years it's been, it's not even been part of the conversation, right? And so um, we'll see what happens there. But I, it doesn't really worry me. I mean, we have a phenomenal platform used by most, uh, you know, multi-location retailers across the country today. And so I know we're doing something right and they're pleased with our service and our platform and uh, we're only growing. And so, 
I think uh, a lot of these retailers who are today trying to use an all-in-one platform are, are going to find out soon how important it is to, um, you know, be compliant first, and then they can they can tack on all of the extras. Uh, around that compliance platform at the core. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, no, I think that's very well said. I think it's very well said. Um, the other part that's really exciting here is the cashless payments uh, and your partnership with Canapay. I think it's one of the largest misnomers that uh, cannabis companies can't be banked because I see them all over the place that are banked. Um, right. Oh, oh, I think the majority of our customers are banked today without yeah. problem, yeah. without question. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, obviously, you know, Colorado is a little further along, but I also know of a number of credit unions and financial institutions that are banking the cannabis industry in California. So I think that's largely a misnomer, uh, but it is particularly exciting. I mean, the first time that I went in uh, to a store and, and used a debit card, it was kind of like a wow moment. Um, and uh, I, I kind of just want you to talk a little bit about what that's meant uh, for Flow Hub and kind of what the future of payments looks like uh, for Flow yeah, Hub customers. It, it, it's a great question, right? I mean, cashless payments, it's, it's, uh, it's a very important uh, next step in the growth of the industry. Um, you know, it removes cash from the supply chain. Uh, you know, it becomes more transparent because you're tracking every purchase uh, more granularly down to the, the you know, the um, transaction ID that gets sent with it, uh, the swipe of the card or the chip and pin, right? So it's a, you know, we need to move cashless, right? I mean, that's just, that's where things are headed in our industry. Um, we're helped driving that, right? I mean, that's what we're focused on. Um, I think Canopy, the Canopy partnership is one of the first steps in that direction, right? We're offering, uh, you know, cashless ATM solutions, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, chip and pin, um, you know, using the ATM rails. I think, you know, that is the first step. Is it the final solution? Are we done innovating? No, like we've, we got to continue, right? But that is, you know, that is something that's worked very successfully for many years. Uh, you know, it's very compliant. And, um, you know, I, again, it's, it's that first step. I think, you know, where do I see payments going? I mean, like I said, I mean, we're going to have full credit card payments in the space. I don't think it's going to be very long before um, that that's completed and done. I think, you know, credit cards are the obvious next step here. Um, you know, it's going to increase, you know, cart size for customers. Uh, it, it increases um, their spend. It increases the, the compliance of the entire transaction because, again, you're removing cash from the equation. You're, you're removing, uh, you know, the possibility of loss because of your, your um, you know, maybe there's some staff that's untrustworthy, whatever it may be, right? It solves a whole lot of problems. And, you know, cash management can be expensive, right? I mean, you're constantly having Garda to come pick up your money. There's all these, right? There's a lot of logistics around handling this much cash, even if you're banking. And so, um, you know, I see a future where consumers will be able to walk in with their credit card and, and purchase cannabis like any other uh, retail establishment, um, you know, and to also do that through e-commerce as well, eventually. So, mm -hmm. you know, the future is bright. I think we're, you know, we, we've just got, we've got to get there and it's one step at a time. And, and our, our partnership with Canapé is one of those first steps. And so um, we're excited about the bright future. I mean, it's, it's, I can't wait to walk in and get points for, for buying yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, eight, an eighth of lamb's, uh, lamb's breath or something. Give me some miles so, for my, uh, for, my right? pur for my purple kush, yeah. Um, right. I've also seen a handful of decks. There's a lot of opportunities floating around there um, that solve the banking issue, quote unquote, uh, with crypto or blockchain solutions. Do we need that? Well, look, I think blockchain presents, it's a whole other conversation, right? Because like blockchain itself is, is amazing technology. And there's even, there's even, you know, newer technologies than, than traditional blockchain as we, as we kind of think about it, that I think are going to drive a lot of our, our future 
in terms of computing in the way that we that we um, you know um, decentralize databases and things like that. But I, I think you know, look, I think there's probably a lot of room to use blockchain technology inside of the cannabis industry. Um, you know, uh, uh, it's something that you know excites me a ton. I think there's a lot of room there. You know, I think today, you know, are we doing anything with blockchain like right now? And uh, you know, not really, right? I mean, we're, we're still investigating what that really looks like and what that means for the future. Um, but are, is, is it a serious consideration for, you know, being a part of our future? I think so, right? I think it, there, there, is a, there is a future for blockchain with, with our company and what we're doing, but I, I don't know what that looks like yet, right? Um, in terms of banking, like, yeah, that's, a, that's another application that you could use crypto for, right? Like it's just a, it's another application that blockchain technology becomes, um, you know, uh, a potential, right. Uh, to use. Um, but, uh, in terms of like, how important is that really? Like, look, I, I think this industry is working just fine without it. Like, I think, you know, um, we're still going to grow as an industry. Like we don't need it to grow, I guess, is the point. I think, you know, sooner rather than later, like regular banks are, you know, federal banks are going to look at this seriously. And, uh, as the federal government starts to, to step back a little bit, um, when all that happens, like I don't really know, right? But I think you know some of these solutions using blockchain are kind of wasteful in terms of like, is it really like, is it just solving a temporary problem? And the answer is probably yes. You know, yeah. we want to serve, you know, we want to solve long-term problems. And so I think there's a lot more thought that needs to be put in, other than just saying, well, like, oh yeah, we'll make a crypto bank solution. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. But like, that that's cool idea. But in in the grand scheme of things, is that like how we're going to grow as an industry? So like, I don't really know. I guess. I guess I'm rambling a bit, but I'm excited about blockchain. I just don't know exactly if um, I've seen anything that truly excites me in terms of like the payment side of things and the banking yeah, side of things I, in this space. I think we see it similarly. A lot of the opportunities I've seen have really looked like bridge technologies. Um, I think there is definitely a place in blockchain and cannabis, just like there is in almost every industry. Uh, but well before that's implemented, we're going to be fully banked and taking credit cards and Apple Pay and everything else. So, um, yeah, it certainly has a place, but I'm not in a rush, I guess, to, to see that in dispensaries, nor is a lot of other people, I think, because the adoption for some of those things has been relatively low. Um, right. I mean, there's a lot to focus on, right? Like when you look at the industry today, there's a lot of problems that need to be solved that like it's kind of putting the cart before the horse to solve those other problems, right? Like we've got core issues we need to resolve around compliance, scalability, interstate commerce, all these things that are um, are really important. And we've got to solve all that first. And then like, you know, we can start to innovate banking and stuff, right? Like that's a whole nother it's a whole yeah. other things. Anyway, that's yeah. just a side note. So I know that Flow Hub has been very successful. Everybody tells me very quality things about it, but give me a metric or some you know point of success. Give me a feeling for how big of scale we're talking about today. However, you want to quantify that. No, yeah, I mean, sure. We have you know well over at this point five hundred locations around the country. Uh, you know, this next year. Uh, I guess this year now it's gosh, time's flying. It's 2018. I guess this year we'll probably process, uh, you know, more than $2 billion through the platform, mm -hmm. uh, in cash, um, on the retail side, um, you know, on the growth side, I mean, we're, you know, every quarter we're processing, you know, 50 plus million grams of, uh, cannabis flour. It's, mm -hmm. it's really cool to see that scale. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, we're growing rapidly. So, you know, 
I'm very excited about what the growth we've seen internally and the opportunity of, uh, you know, with these new states coming online. And we're so excited to serve these new markets. I mean, there's just so many people that we can help with our technologies. Um, you know, it's just, I can't find enough people fast enough to come help us on this journey. I mean, we, we're, we're always yeah. hiring and, yeah. um, you know, trying to find remarkable people to come join the, the, the expedition that we're on. And um, so, yeah, good. It's the toughest Go part. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off. Sorry to cut you oh, off. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Um, how are the other markets going? And and I guess more broadly, how important is California to you? You know, California is a very important market, right? It's a it's one of the world's largest economies. Um, it's influential in in uh, our media, and um, it defines kind of where things go. You know. Um, culturally, right, for the U.S. and for the rest of the world even. And so uh, it's a very important market for us. Um, now, California is an interesting animal because you look at the history of medical cannabis. Um, it comes, you know, from San Francisco uh, when it was, you know, legalized medicinally 20 plus years ago at this point. And um, there's a, been a lot of history there. There's a lot of history uh, with California and cannabis. And then you just disrupt it overnight. You say, actually, we're going to legalize it now. Right? Everyone votes on it. Boom, boom, boom. We're legalizing it. We're going to get rid of those old rules. Now we're going to regulate it. We're going from this gray market with no regulations to being regulated overnight. Um, well, that presents a whole lot of problems socially, right, uh, culturally. Um, and those things don't change so quickly. It's hard to overnight say, well, now we're going to be a compliance industry. You have to report to the system every 12 hours and you've got to do this and that, right? Like you have all these rules to follow and people go, hey, 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 hold on a second. I, I just want to keep doing what I've been doing for 20 years, right? You, you can't tell me to go do all that. But the problem is, yeah, unfortunately, that's that's where we're headed, right? Mm -hmm. Or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, right? For Unfortunately, for a lot of the old timers who, who um, want to stay with the way things were, and, and fortunately for the future of the industry and, and building something that's real and um, that we can look at uh, 20 years from now and be very proud of, right? That's super regulated and, um, you know, we're giving a lot of people jobs and this is legitimately, you know, uh, looked at industry. Um, so, you know, we're in this weird time, right? Like we're in this transitional period, this inflection point where people are, are undergoing a lot of stress because they want to win a license. Maybe they've never been licensed before. They, they want to own a business and they want to do things right, but they truly have no understanding or education about what they have to do. So it's interesting, right? Like in our conversations with people in California, you know, you have people who say, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm not going to use the metric thing. And you go, well, well, but that's like, I totally understand the, the you know, <laughs> the issue that, that you're facing now that like you have all this extra expense, you've got to now use this platform. Oh yeah, yeah, but we don't have to do, we've never done that, right? It's like, well, no, you have to do that. Mm -hmm. That, that, that is unfortunate. You know, again, going back to like, unfortunately for you, it's like that's the future. But fortunately, your businesses will be more transparent now. This is how we're going to grow the industry. You have an opportunity to build something even bigger than you could have dreamed of before. Your, your uh, risk your just went down dramatically a whole bunch of You're other right. things. Yeah. Right, right. And yes, it's going to be more expensive to run your business. But look at how much bigger you can grow because of it. Look at the opportunity now. And, you know, it's just we have to change that um, cultural kind of aspect to um, – to, you know, we have to change people culturally. It's a tough thing to do. We have to educate them, right? And so I think California likely is not going to be a um, robust market probably until 2019. I mean, not saying it's not already, but I guess more organized, more thought out, more with more buy-in. I think it's going to take some time. I think it can literally take till 2019 until we start to see people going, oh, gosh, I guess I actually have to do this now. Yep. 
Yep. So um, in the first couple months, um, how is it going for Flow Hub? What what does success in California look like for Flow Hub? Oh, I mean, we've been growing like crazy out there, right? I mean, I think there's a lot of folks, you know, like I told you, there, you know, there's people who say, "Ah, I don't want to be involved with metric, whatever, you know, there's also a whole lot of people who get it and uh, who are looking to be compliant today um, and who want to start using systems like Flow Hub today, um, you know, so they can get compliant, you know, and, and, and be there. And they know that we're experts in that area. And, and that's why we're, we're used by the largest retailers in the country today, right? So, you know, I think for us, you know, California, you know, what does success look like? It's success looks like, uh, you know, for us is just, um, it's an education thing. You know, we're really focused on educating the stakeholders out there right now. And, uh, you know, to us, that's the first step in success because when they're educated, they're going to make better decisions uh, and they're going to make the industry stronger. Right. And so we've seen that, um, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, power in, in education uh, for the first you know, couple months here. I mean, gosh, we're in mid February now um, and we've been educating people there for the last you know, quarter and a half or so. Yep. And so we're just seeing that we're already seeing that cultural shift, I guess you could say. Um, but there's still a lot of work to do. Right. I mean, we're just in there. I mean, this is the first very first step in um, that transition. So. Yep. But it's looking good so far. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's impressive to see how, how many people are excited about uh, compliance and, and getting on board and um, taking our word seriously. Yeah, um, I'm certainly seeing cool. the change. I, I live and work in San Francisco and I talk to a lot of people in the cannabis industry and they really want to learn about all of this. They want to be compliant. They want to be on the up and up, which only, yep. uh, of course, works in your favor. Um, all of that traction uh, certainly lends itself to fundraising must make it a little bit easier. Uh, you've raised some money from a few of my friends, Poseidon, Fido, uh, 3.8 raised to date. Um, when do you have to raise again? How's your burn look? You know, how, take me through that analysis a little bit. Yeah, sure. You know, um, you know, for us, the, the company is very healthy, right? I mean, we're, we're growing rapidly. I mean, we grew uh, a ton last year. I mean, well over 800% and wow. in revenue, right? And so wow. we've just been, uh, you know, dealing with that, right? And so uh, does it make it easier to fundraise? I don't know if fundraising is ever easy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, um, you know, it's always a challenge, I think, to fundraise and, and to get the right people on board. I think it's easy to raise bad money, but it's uh, it's harder to raise smart money, right? And that's what I'm always sure. focused on is trying to get great partners involved. Um, but yeah, you know, I, you know, I think, you know, with the explosion uh, in these markets and stuff, I think, you know, fundraising is an important uh, way to support the business in that hyper growth, right? I mean, like, it's hard to do that without without growth capital and without pushing the envelope and driving things as hard as you can, right? I mean, it's, it's hyper growth. And so when do we raise again? I mean, I don't know. I don't know, like, the date when we raise again. But I think, uh, you know, to meet the demands of the, the this ever-growing market and the explosion, like, uh, surely will we raise again? Absolutely. Like, we're, we're going to raise again. I mean, we, you know, um, it's it's only logical that we would. Um, but I, I think, you know, look, you know, right now we're just – we're so focused on, um, you know, growing in a healthy way, finding great people to join the team and, um, you know, building a great culture where people want to work for five years, right? I mean, like this is, uh, it's really cool to see people who've been here from day one, uh, new folks who've joined the team, you know, uh, thrive internally here. And uh, we're figuring out, you know, every day who we are and how we're going to be great. And um, How big is the team now? 
we're at about we're at about 30 today 30 wow yeah and yeah. as you get to that number um and you look at what your role is day to day you know and you, as you look at 2018 um maybe that includes some fundraising activities but w- what else i mean how has your role changed uh, recently yeah, it's a, it's a really great question. Actually, I've been reflecting a lot on this. Like, what is my role here, actually? Right? Like, what if what should, what do I need to be focused on day to day? It's funny yeah. because when you start a company, right? I think your your role as a CEO and as a founder, you're so hands on with everything. You're trying to figure things out and learn the process so that you can implement, um, you know, for you can implement things for other people, and you know, you're you're hiring, you're doing all this stuff. Right. And I think, you know, the way my role has changed over the last couple of years is, um, you know, I think it's a lot less about doing everything and being involved in that just nitty gritty of everything. And it's about finding great, great, remarkable people to come join our team to help execute on those things. Mm-hmm. Right. So my my job and focus has become much more of a recruiter uh, and, um, you know, uh, uh, even a preacher in what we're doing internally, right? Like helping the team understand why we're doing these things and why we're on this track and, you know, where we're headed, right? So uh, as a cheerleader almost, right? And so I think, you know, look, my my role has shifted a lot from from being this like really hands-on trying to do everything, uh, you know, over time, over the last few years to being a guy who's hiring, you know, the best people I can find to come help with these things and help us internally. Um, You know, bring on people to teach me things and, you know, finding people way smarter than I am to come help help us grow this thing right so i think it's, it's been an interesting shift for me because i love uh, a lot of the nitty-gritty things i think it's a lot of fun to be involved uh with day-to-day nitty-gritty you know get your hands dirty uh things within the business but it's no way to scale and i think it's no way to manage a team you can't do all that stuff right you can't manage people and 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 uh help drive process and all these things if you're just literally in it every day and so uh you know doesn't mean i'm i'm not involved at all anymore. No, not at all. Like, right. Like I still go into our customer stores and hang out behind the, the counter and, you know, see how things are going and talk to our customers and interface with our employees. And like, you know, I'm, I'm involved in projects and stuff, but it's really become all about recruiting for me and just finding amazing, remarkable people to join our team and um, inspire them to crush as hard as they can, you know? So which, that's uh, kind of, which stage do you prefer? Strange. Do you, which role and which stage have you enjoyed more? You think? It's a great question. I think um, they're just so different, right? I, I'm loving the stage that that I'm in today. I mean, it's uh, it's really interesting, you know, having had my hands dirty early on in this business, um, and finding people to fill the gaps and you know leaders to come in and help lead and um, you know it's 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 really fun. I mean, it's really enjoyable to be talking to all of these different people and analyzing their skill sets and what makes them tick and if they'd be a good fit. And it's, um, it's, I've learned to really enjoy the process. Um, you know, the, the, the hustle of the beginning is a lot of fun. It's addictive, right? It's an addictive feeling when you're building stuff from scratch and you, you're, you're making things up and, you know, but I have to say this, the current stage that, that I'm in and that we're in as a business is, is just a ton of fun. And I don't know if I'd want to go back today to how things were yep. um, because it's, it's a beautiful thing to see this, this kind of child growing up, right. And becoming more mature. And um, you know, it's, it's almost like having kids, right. I have my third child on the way right now, right. I have my 
my oldest daughter is going to be four here. Her due date was 420, right? I mean, how serendipitous. Congratulations. Um, that's, a, so, that's an awesome date. That's thank you. Awesome. Yeah. And so it's, it's a lot like raising a kid, right? Like every stage is enjoyable. Like when, when my oldest daughter, you know, said her first words, like that was a really cool moment. And now she's fully talking and we can have a conversation and, you know, um, we can talk about her day and what's going on in, in her life. And it's like, it feels like that, right? You know, every stage is so enjoyable and unique in itself that it's hard to want to go back because it's so cool now, you know? Yeah. I don't have a, I don't have any kids, but I was going to make the lamer comparison to being in college. People say, you know, do you want to go back to college? No, I don't want to go back to college, but it was a great time. <laughs> it was a right, great right, time. right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, all right. So shifting gears here just a little bit, I love to connect sort of the work, the important work you do in the industry with just what kind of cannabis consumer you are. Um, so at the end of the day, when you're done uh, crushing the world, concentrates, flowers, edibles, wh what are you into? You know, it's, it's funny because I go through these phases, right? Like I'm super into flower and vaping flower with my packs. Uh, or, you know, you know, occasionally using concentrates, I'm much less of a concentrate user these days, uh, just because, um, you know, I, I, I just love flower and edibles. I think those, they're just, they're, they're, it's wonderful, right? It's like, it's a whole experience, uh, opposed to, to concentrates, which are flavorful and great. And I enjoy them once in a while, but, um, I'm not as into them as I used to be, frankly. I don't know what, I don't know what changed there. Maybe I'll get back into them, uh, you know, at a later time, but, um, I find myself, you know, I love, I don't know if you've had Stillwater's products, but they're just, I mean, they have some phenomenal products, right? Mm. They've got, uh, you know, this little, it's almost like salt in a way. I mean, it's a powder, right? And you can mix it in with your, with it, with, you know, got tea yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's phenomenal. I mean, I, I have those, I mix it up, uh, with flour before bed almost every night. And it's a great way to get, a an awesome, uh, some awesome dreams and some awesome sleep in, you know, and then, uh, Sounds right. get on my schedule the next day. And I, I, I stay away from alcohol. And so for, mm. for me, cannabis is kind of my outlet. And, um, you know, I prefer it that way. No hangovers, right? You drink a lot and you get hungover the next day. You're not as productive. And you do you a lot of stupid things when you're hungover too. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> right. and drunk and drunk. Yeah. Right. Um, no, yeah. I agree with you. I'm definitely team flowers uh, all the way. I, I mean, concentrates are okay, but I definitely prefer flowers. Um, yeah. Uh, Kyle, this has been an incredible interview. Thank you so much for joining us. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for telling us your story. Um, how can the audience help you? You mentioned that you were hiring for some positions. What are you hiring for and uh, and how should somebody reach out? Yeah, uh, we're always hiring sales executives. We're looking for some marketing folks, um, you know, uh, some higher level roles. Um, but I mean, I think marketing and, and sales is always, uh, they're, they're always positions that we're looking for. Um, they can email us uh, the resume and cover letter at work at flowhub.co, uh, and that will make it over to our team um, uh, for review. Uh, and that would be great. You know, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, flowhubco. Uh, on Instagram is flowhub. Um, you know, we're on Facebook as well. You can find us by searching for flowhub there, LinkedIn, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, we love people following our journey and, and, and people who want to be a part of it. So, you know, always feel free, I'd say, for people to reach out uh, with a resume and a cover letter and let us know kind of um, what your passion is and what you like to do. And, you know, maybe there's an opportunity there. Um, we found some very cool people that way. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, they'd be stupid not to reach out. I'm pumped about the company. Uh, thank you again for joining us. It's been super informational and entertaining. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Talk to you Thanks soon. so much for having me on. I, I, I really appreciate your time and yeah. interest in what we're doing. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time.